Well, good morning, Frontline family. Welcome to everyone joining us in the house, those joining us online, and those who are here for the first time today, you are most welcome, and it is my prayer that you would experience the Lord today in a way, all of us, that would change us forever. Church, today we continue to study the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, this incredible message that Jesus delivers to his followers as he explains the disciplines, principles, and values of the kingdom of God. And in this particular section that we are going to talk about today, starting in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, Jesus addresses the very important topic of judging others. Judging others. That's why the subtitle for today's message is Judge Correctly. But before we get into the detail of what that all really means, I want us to read the, our main portion of Scripture this morning from verses 1 to 5 to set the proper context and foundation for where we're going. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible apps, let's read from Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. This is what Jesus says. He says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite! First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You know, church, it's interesting to me how people who know the Bible, and even those who don't really know the Bible at all, love to quote Jesus on this point about judging others. And it's usually quoted for self-serving purposes because nobody likes to be judged by somebody else. But again, Christians and even people who don't know the Bible that well make reference to this phrase from time to time in defense of themselves. They say, don't judge me. Don't judge me because if you judge, God will judge you in the same way or even worse. And church, I need you to understand something today. Jesus did not say that we can't judge at all or that we shouldn't judge. And it may sound a bit contradictory to what I've just read, but in fact, in a few verses later in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said we should be judging when it comes to certain people, and he gives the examples of the false prophets. We'll get into the detail of what that passage means in a couple of weeks' time, but I want you to have a quick look with me at verse 15. Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. It says later on in verse 20, Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. So, quick question. How are we going to be wise and discerning about false prophets unless we exercise some kind of correct judgment? Jesus is actually telling us here that we must exercise some sort of judgment when it comes to people like false prophets so that we won't be deceived by them. Which means, church, that there has to be the, the exercise of some discernment and judgment of their fruit in order to make these kinds of evaluations. And that doesn't just apply to false prophets, by the way. 
That applies to just about every aspect of your life where people come into your life and it's up to you to assess whether or not they are going to have a positive or negative influence on you, your family, your business, or your church. Contrary to popular belief, Jesus does call us to judge correctly. Because if we don't, we will lump everything into the same basket and just be Christians that allow people to do whatever they want to do and say whatever they want to say without ever bringing the truth, right? Well, because why? Because, well, we don't want to judge them. So let me make the distinction for you this morning. What Jesus is condemning here in this section on the Sermon on the Mount is not about judging others per se, but it is about being judgmental. And there is a big difference between the two. Let me explain what I mean. Judging correctly, church, is discerning the truth about people based on facts. Being judgmental, on the other hand, is about finding fault with people, being critical without reason, and based on personal preferences, feelings, or assumptions. That's the difference here. And I want to say that again because this is important for us to understand as Christians to, to distinguish correctly. Judging correctly is discerning the truth about people based on facts. Being judgmental is about finding fault with people, being critical without reason based on personal preferences, feelings, or assumptions. Do, do you understand the difference between the two? It reminds me of a, a, a true story about a, a famous pastor who was speaking at a Christian conference many years ago. A, a gentleman came up to him and said to him, Pastor, I have waited for this week for so long. I love your work. I love your teachings. I've listened to all your sermons. I've read all your books. And I'm going to eat up everything that you have to say this week. The pastor was quite overwhelmed, but he thanked him. They, they shook hands and they, they went their separate ways. But as the conference kicked off on the Sunday evening, the man was sitting in the front row, the same man that came and spoke to him. And as this pastor started speaking, this man nodded off and went to sleep. He thought to himself, well, maybe he just had a, a long drive, and so he was obviously just exhausted. But Monday night came, Tuesday night came, the man started nodding off again. Wednesday night came, the same thing happened. The pastor was now getting a little irritated because here's this man that they said all these things about him, right? He's sitting in the front row and he's falling asleep. And he had prepared very well for this ministry opportunity, so it wasn't good for him to see someone falling asleep while he's, he's pouring his heart out. And guess what? Thursday night came and, and he fell asleep again. On the Friday morning after the last session, the lady who was sitting next to this man, she came up to him and said, Pastor, I want to thank you for the ministry this week. And she said, and by the way, I just want to apologize for my husband you know, falling asleep every time. He has terminal cancer, and the doctors have given him just a couple of weeks to live. And when we talked about what he wanted to do in the last couple of weeks of his life, he said he wanted to come and listen to you one last time before he meets Jesus. But you see, Pastor, the doctors have given him medication, and the medicine that, he, that he's taken to keep away the pain actually makes him fall asleep. So I wanted to apologize to you that this has been happening, but I also want you to know that you have made this the best part of, the best part of the last week of his life, or the last weeks of his life. 
The pastor said that he could have crawled under a rock and, and started crying, you know, afterwards, because without any investigation and based on his own assumptions of the guy, he had been judgmental. It's a powerful illustration, that, right? And church, I want us to, to look at today how we as people, especially as Christians, how we can be judgmental. And I'm going to give you two ways that, that we can do this. The first way, church, is by being judgmental towards other people based on their appearance. And the second way is by being judgmental based on our experience. Their appearance and our experience. And when I say their appearance, I'm not just talking about their physical experience or appearance, although that's part of it, I also mean their, their actions or their behavior. Right? Their appearance and our experience. Now, church, the very definition of the word prejudice is the idea of prejudging someone. And it's often based on our assessment of people. Just have a look at the, the dictionary definition. Being prejudiced is to form a preconceived opinion about someone that is not based on reason or actual experience, but on whatever differences you might have with them. This is prejudice. This is being judgmental. It can be based on another person's skin color. It can be based on their accent. It can be based on their culture, their gender, the way they dress, or their, their social status. It can even be based on whether or not they are fit and, and in good shape, or whether they are unfit and, and overweight, right? It can be based on whether they are attractive or unattractive. You get the picture, right? But you see, this is a very subjective thing. This is a very subjective thing, and church, we will unfortunately and wrongly draw judgmental conclusions about people based on their appearance and our preference. You see, church, both favoritism and discrimination are often based on appearance, physical or behavioral. Physical in that people discriminate on how certain people look, the way they dress, or the color of their skin, and behavioral in that people discriminate against others on how they don't behave the same way they do. And those two things, favoritism and discrimination, are what you could call evil twins. Because favoritism is wrong, discrimination is wrong. And they both have evil intentions and outcomes. It says in James chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, James is speaking to believers. He says, My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and, and say, here's a good seat for you, but you say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Further on in the same chapter, he adds in verses 8 to 9, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, right, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. So church, we need to understand this. 
God loves all, Jesus died for all. Right? Which means he shows no favoritism or discrimination against the way we look or the way, you know, we've been brought up in a certain way. Our physical appearance, behavioral appearance. And he wants us to treat others in the same way. In fact, Jesus himself said in John chapter 7 verse 24, he says, stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. Now notice again, he didn't say you can't judge at all. He just says there's a difference between judging by appearance, which is not good, and making correct judgment. We'll distinguish between the two in a few moments. But you see, church, the mistake we often make in life is to jump to conclusions about people based on one, one tiny part of the story that we see or that we hear. It's a terrible thing that we are all guilty of. We jump to conclusions about people or circumstances based on one little tiny snippet of the story. And with the rise of, of social media, we have to especially be aware of this because with everybody taking pictures and videos and, and sharing their views online, there is an epidemic of rushing to judgment. There is an epidemic in our culture of rushing to wrongly judging others where you are expected to draw opinions about people and about situations through a limited snapshot, often without context or facts, just by appearance and all based on what it looks like. It's a terrible thing, church, and the Bible even calls it an evil thing to do. Jesus said, don't judge by mere appearances, right? But judge correctly. Now, church, I want to show you a couple of images on the screens this morning. But before I do that, I'm going to count to three for each of these images. And when the image pops on the screen, we're going to, we're going to keep it up for about a second. And I want you to say the first thing that comes to mind. Right? I want you to actually sh shout out what you see. Are you ready? One, two, three. Here's the first one. Okay. Take it off. What do you see there? Young lady? Old lady? Right? Some of you say an old lady, some of you say young lady. Put that image up for us again. That was the point. I want you to, I want you to say what's, what comes to mind first. So you either see an old lady with like her chin in her chest with a biggish nose, or a young lady looking towards the right, and her chin is sort of pointed towards the right. right? Some of you might have seen this image before. Here's the next one. One, two, three. What do you see? Take it off for us. Robbie and Noel. <laughs> at, at first glance, it looks like two old people looking at each other, right? But, but put that image up for us again. It's actually two, two archways with two people sitting next to each other. A man is playing a guitar. The woman is holding some plates or something on her head. And there's another woman walking through a doorway. And what looks like the woman's hair is actually a curtain hanging there. Right? But it, at, at first glance, it looked like two old people looking at each other. The last one, church, not many of us have seen before. So are you ready? One, two, three. What do you see? Okay, take it off. Right? What did you see? Okay. Most of you thought it was an eyeball, right? But put that up for us again. 
If you look closer, it's actually a kitchen sink that is draining. And the water is swirling down the sink and soap bubbles are all around it. Right? <laughs> you can take that off us. Thank you. You see, church, most of you on the first quick snapshot thought it was an eyeball. And you drew that conclusion based on something that you saw really quickly. And you didn't have context or you weren't able to examine it properly. Right? And the point is, church, that when we don't have all the facts about something or someone, we can end up making assumptions and drawing conclusions that are often false and even worse, damaging to people's character and reputation. There's a story, a true story about a, a small town pastor who was seen by someone in his congregation one day. He was driving around town with a, a woman in his car, which was not his wife. And at some point, he even like embraced this woman and gave her quite an affectionate hug when he got out the car. And this one woman that was part of his congregation saw it and she, she started gossiping about it. She made a, a real stink about it, got other people riled up and, and complaining about it. And people got so angry that they even wanted him to step down without knowing all the facts. But upon proper investigation, they came to find that it was the pastor's sister visiting from another country. Silly example, you know, but some, at that point, some damage had already been done. And the caution to, uh, to each of us is this. Be very careful before speaking out about someone or something if you don't know all the facts. Better yet, don't, don't speak at all, right? Because you see, church, context matters. Facts matter. Giving people the benefit of the doubt instead of being reactionary matters, right? People deserve that rather than judgmental assumptions. So the takeaways from this point about being judgmental based on other people's appearance, physical or behavioral, is that as followers of Christ... Jesus is calling us to live by a standard that our culture may not live by. Right? But we have to be measured people. We have to be patient people. We have to gather the facts before we draw conclusions and understand things more than just the, the appearance of it. Can I get an amen? <clears throat> That's the first thing. But another way that we are guilty, church, of being judgmental, if not just by appearance, it is also by our experience. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but what this basically means is that we often impose our experiences or our own standards on someone else and then judge them accordingly. In other words, the measuring stick I use for my life is the same measuring stick that I use for everybody else. For example, if you are you know, successful and driven and you like things to be done very quickly, but your colleagues are more methodical and diligent and they take their time, you may tend to look at them as incompetent or unambitious. If you are a social butterfly and you always like to be around people, you, know, you always like to be out, but someone else prefers to be a homebody and just read a good book or you know what, spend their time advancing their studies, you may tend to look at them as introverted and boring. If you have close relationships with your family, you will measure others by the same standard and how close their family is to them. Right? There are many different examples. 
But we tend to judge people through the lens of our own life experiences or through our own personal standards, and that tends to be judgmental. And here's the thing. If there's no clear biblical instruction about a matter, but we quietly condemn people in our own hearts, or worse, with our mouths, because they don't do it the way that we think it should be done, church, we are being judgmental. Here's a simple example. Those who support sending their children to you know, private schools or public schools, the traditional schooling system might look at homeschoolers as socially backward and isolated. The homeschoolers, on the other hand, may look at that group as secular and worldly and uncaring about their children's exposure to the evil influences of the schooling system. Am I right? Now, neither is wrong, just different. But you see, church, when we start to draw those, when we start to have those thoughts that our approach is the better approach, we're just simply being judgmental. And I won't even get into the debate about how people differ on the issue of vaccines and how judgment has been passed on what is right or wrong in their own opinion. Let me put it to you this way. If you want to be gluten-free, and if you want to eat free-range chicken, and if you want to recycle your, pl your plastic, and you are opposed to any medication that, that's not natural, that's okay for you. But that doesn't have to be someone else's opinion of how they do things, right? And church, the danger that we get ourselves into is when we are so judgmental to think that you need to be just like me based on my experiences or my personal convictions or standards about something. We have to be so mindful that we don't wrongfully judge others based on their appearance and our experience. And church, I'm not talking about relativism here, where people say, you know what, my truth is my truth, and if you challenge their truth, then it's classified as hate, hate speech. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about here is wrongfully judging and writing people off based on their appearance and our experience. And remember, there is a big difference between judging correctly and judgmentalism. Now, having said all of that, the question then is, how are we, especially as Christians, how are we to judge correctly when it comes to certain situations, when it comes to others? How do we do that? Well, church, we have to understand God's way of viewing things, of understanding how we you know, address or understand certain fruit in people, and then we make those kinds of discerning judgments God's way. I want to read our main passage of Scripture again quickly, and then I'll make some observations on how we can do this according to God's ways. He says, Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Well, how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, church, probably the simplest way to just understand what Jesus is saying here is that you and your friend, or you and your brother or sister in Christ, you need to realize that you both have 
the same sin struggle. The particular sins that you struggle with might be different to what your brothers and sisters are struggling with, but together we have all of them, right? Just individual to individual, your particular sin struggles might be different in kind to the sin struggles of your neighbor, but they are the same in size. And by that, I mean all sin carries the same weight and has the same offense against God. All of it. So whether one sin is stealing, or whether one sin is gossip, or another sin is, is um, coveting, or another sin is lust, it is the same size, it carries the same weight. And church, if any of you at that moment, as I said that, you thought to yourself, you know what, I know that I'm kind of guilty of gossip here, but that's not as bad as stealing, or that's not as bad as lust, you are exactly the person that Jesus is talking to here. Because when you start to internalize that kind of thing and think to yourself, well, I have this issue, but it's not nearly as bad as that person's issue, then you are deceiving yourself and you are not aware of the sinfulness in your own heart. Right? And if you are not aware of it, you can't, you can't deal with it. We like to look at people's sin as, as so bad, you know, and we classify, we categorize our sins down here somewhere. The Apostle Paul, he's speaking to the church in Rome, and towards the end of chapter 1, he speaks about God's wrath against unrighteousness, right? But look at what he says to the church at the beginning of chapter 2. He says, well, you may be saying what terrible people you have been talking about, but wait a minute, you are just as bad. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are talking about yourselves, for you do the very same things. Church, you and I do the same things. It might be a different type, it might be a different kind, but it's the same size. Which is the point that Jesus is making here when he talks about the plank and the speck. The reason that Jesus is challenging us here, church, is because to be judgmental is for me to see your sin as a bigger deal than mine. That's what he's condemning here. And the major problem with that thinking is that if you are overjudging everybody else, you are underjudging yourself and you're not dealing with the issues in your own heart. It's like a lady that goes for counseling and she tells her counselor how she's been married and divorced five times and she proceeds to tell him that, you know what, every husband that I've been married to is, is lazy, he's a loser and he's a lazy alcoholic. Right? And she talks for half an hour how, how bad her husbands were. This counselor starts to think, lady, maybe you are the common denominator. And you know what? You've been in my office now for half an hour, and already I feel like I need a drink. <laughs> you know? She doesn't even want to begin to start looking at herself, right? Thankfully, that's not something I've ever had to experience myself. But it makes the illustration, church, that as people... Even though there is this major plank or, you know what, sin that is impairing our vision, we somehow try to look past that to somebody else's sin. But if you do that, you are deceiving yourself. You should be confront confronted by the sin in your own life much more than somebody else's. Our own sin should be, as Jesus illustrated here, as uncomfortable as a plank in your eye. I mean, just think about having a plank in your eye. You have this little mechi, this little mosquito fly in your eye. 
right? Or have an eyelash in your eye. It's so uncomfortable. It feels like there's this rock in your eye and your eye starts warping. You can't see. Jesus is saying your sin should be that uncomfortable that you want to deal with it before you go now and sit with your brother and sister and say, listen, I think there's something that you need to address, right? That's what Jesus is telling us here. Remember that Jesus is not saying, church, don't ever judge. Or that you shouldn't ever have any discernment about other people's fruit. But what he is saying is that there's a right way to do this. And this is really a big topic, but I'll summarize it in three quick points for you as I begin to close. Firstly, if you take your notes this morning, judging correctly means that we have to deal with our own sin first. We have to deal with our sin first. Otherwise, it's hypocrisy to think that we have no issues and that we are just here to help people with their issues, but we don't have any problems ourselves. No, we need to realize that we all struggle with different types of sin issues. So at least start dealing with yours. Commit that to the Lord. Allow Him to help you to start working through those things before you come and sit with your brother or your sister and start pointing out theirs. Start there first. Amen? Secondly, judging correctly means to make the right judgments with the right heart. It has to be about humility as we understand that our sin is no different from the other person's sin. Different maybe in type, but still the same. Still the same size. And thirdly, judging correctly means to make right judgments for the right purposes. It means to help a brother or a sister, not to shame them. And certainly not to make them think that you are this perfect Christian talking down to them, right? It's about having the heart and the attitude that I want to help you in the same way that I know I'm going to need your help. And so we approach life together with a sense of humility, a sense of grace, and a sense of understanding. Church, it's the idea of we are in this together, and together we can become better kingdom ambassadors for the sake of our king and for the sake of kingdom. Amen. And you know what, church, when I was thinking about the scripture, as I was, I don't know if I said it to you earlier, but it's probably one of the most underrated scriptures in all of the Bible. Because if we can get, we can grab a hold of these principles, we can bring healing into so many areas of our lives. Because you know what, I can look at you and say, yes, there's something wrong with your culture, but hang on, my culture's not perfect either. But let's come together as brothers and sisters in Christ and let's define what is a kingdom culture. Amen? And you know what? I know there's a bit of sin in your, life, in your life, in the way that you do things, in the way that you've been brought up. But I realize now there's also problems in my life that I need to work on. Let's come together and develop fruit that will last forever. Amen? Let's develop fruit that will attract a world that is going to hell. Right, the church, when we do that, when we, can, we can first look at ourselves and just get past always looking at other people. Right? Can you imagine what we can accomplish together for the sake of king and kingdom? And can you imagine what healing we can bring to our communities, to our cities, and to nations? Amen? Can we receive God's word this morning, church?